I want to welcome you all to West Covina Christian Church this morning. It's kind of a special day with the, all the fun things that are happening. If you, I'd invite you to take out the connection card that is before you. If you are a guest with us, this is an opportunity for us to get in touch with you. Uh, and if you are a regular attender, here's an opportunity to uh, request some information or to um, give us a prayer request or a praise report. We would love to continue to keep you in our prayers in that way. In fact, if you are a guest, I invite you to stop at the Connection Central booth after the service, and we have a gift for you, and uh, pick some information up about the church, and we'd love to be able to stay in touch with you. Yesterday was Mochizuki, and that was a lot of fun. In fact, I think we have a little, little highlight video for Mochizuki yesterday. good. That gives you a little flavor of, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Um, somebody asked me today, uh, you like Mochizuki? Uh, I said, yeah, I like Mochizuki. We used to do stuff like that when I was a kid. And they're like, you pounded rice when you were a kid? I said, no, we had our Swedish traditions, but uh, along the same lines, these are, these are all fun, uh, good things to do. In terms of announcements, uh, I just highlight a couple things. New Year's Eve drop-in is uh, this upcoming uh, a week from today on New Year's Eve. Started at eight o'clock, and it'll be a lot of time, a lot of fun of some games and fellowship, good food. We're gonna have some worship and bring the new year in with a time of prayer as well. So I encourage you to uh, put that on your calendar. And here's a great time for us to come together and celebrate the new year together. And then also congregational meeting. I want to make note of that because that is a, a change of date, January 20th. And uh, just to let you know what the congregational meeting is, this is an informative meeting. It's not technically a business meeting. We're not voting on or anything. Or, but we want to, and this is hosted by the board of directors, make sure that there is transparency and that we can communicate what is going on in the church and so if you could RSVP uh, on that, because we're going to have dinner together, we say seat is, seating is limited. It's as limited as people we can get into the social hall. And so if you want to come, you are invited. And, uh, and in fact, if, if that time is a difficult time because of traveling and, and these type of things, you can just uh, request as you sign up on the connection card, just put carpool. And Bob's going to organize uh, some carpool uh, vehicles, and so everyone can at attend that would like to attend. Everybody is welcome to come to the congregational meeting. As we approach Christmas Day, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. And when someone looks forward to the birth of a little baby, sometimes we say that they are expecting, right? A ma expecting moms and dads are excited and maybe even a little nervous because when bringing a child into the world, there are all kinds of questions. First of all, you might have questions on if this baby is going to be a he or a she. I remember when we first found out that our second was a girl, this was like very upsetting to me. I was like, how in the world do I raise a girl? I only grew up in a family with boys and so 
all of these questions, and then we wonder, will this baby be, uh, grow up to be short and tall or tall? Will this baby grow up to be smart or dumb? Will this baby grow up to be funny or serious, well-behaved or a troublemaker? And really important, will this baby drive me nuts? Uh, if you are a new mother with a little child at home that's not sleeping through the night, you know exactly what I mean. Will this baby drive me nuts? But, we, but with all of these things, we are expecting things. We have certain hopes and uh, anticipations. And the one thing we can count on is you can expect surprises. Nothing ever goes quite as planned. Even with all the things like ultrasounds and due dates and preparatory classes at the, at the hospital and all of these things, that nothing ever goes exactly as we expect. I was thinking about the little uh, fun uh, surprises that maybe we experienced when our kids were born. The first thing that uh, the nurse said as soon as she, Kinsey was born was she, got her, she has her dad's chin. Kinsey came out with this huge chin with a dimple right in the middle of it. I didn't even really think of myself as having a dimpled chin. But sure enough, and so all kinds of surprises. Surprises are to be expected with every baby, but all the more so with Jesus God born as a human baby. Surprises are all over the Christmas story, starting with the surprise that Mary was pregnant. In Luke 1, 34, uh, Mary says, How can this be? Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin. Mary didn't mean, need a sex ed class to know. I don't think it's supposed to work this way. Big surprise, right? And once she accepts the fact that she is going to have a child conceived of by the Holy Spirit, her amazement goes to the, to the things that are spiritual. Mary grasps very early on that there is a certain amount of wonderment to the events that are happening to her and through her. That God is fulfilling His plan that was set into motion at the very start of creation, that was prophesied about in the Old Testament times, that would be fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah. And now God was sending His Savior into the world as a little baby, a baby that is growing in Mary's womb. And this is a fantastic realization. Mary, in her excitement, sings a song. It is really a song of joy that we have here in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, and this will be the passage we look at this morning. And in this song, as we read it, you will sense the wonder and the awe and even the surprise. But as we read the psalm, I just want us to know, uh, before we even read it together, that this is not a song, just an ancient song, just for our amusement, but her words ought to fill us with amazement as well because actually the surprises that we're going to talk about here in this passage have application for our own lives as well. And so this is what this sermon is all about. It is full of surprises. And the wonderful thing is that Mary's surprises are in some ways our surprises as well. And these surprises bring us tremendous joy as we look forward to Christmas. Let's read the passage together. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. In fact, 
For the first Sunday, we have Pew Bibles. And if you want to use the Pew Bible before you, it is on page 856. Someone made a donation to uh, have Bibles. In fact, the donation was made that in the sense that if you don't have a Bible at home, you just take the Bible that is before you home. We'd love to have, we want you to have God's Word. Uh, you want, we want you to have access to God's Word all the time. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Let's take a moment and pray. Father God, as we look at these uh, words from this text we realize that Mary sings these out of joy that is overflowing in our hearts. And we pray that as we consider these words for our own lives this morning, that you would fill us with the same type of joy. That we would, maybe in a fresh way or maybe in a brand new way, grasp the real meaning of what is being talked about here. And so, God, I pray that these surprises would awaken our hearts and that we would experience the joy of Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sense the wonder in Mary's heart. To paraphrase, she's saying, Wow, how can this be? That I, a teenage girl of such humble circumstances, I have no social status that anyone would recognize me. There's nothing super attractive about me that people would call me great. And yet, God in His grace has chosen me to bear the Savior of the world and to fulfill his plans. There is a tremendous amount of humility in in her voice. Verse 46 says, God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And look at how Mary addresses God. She calls him, verse 46, the Lord, a title emphasizing God's sovereignty and her dependence upon him. Verse 47, he says, God, my Savior. Savior is a title expressing her need for God to rescue her. You see, Mary doesn't think too highly of herself. Now, I'm not saying she's demeaning to herself, but some traditions hold Mary up to be sinless, almost godlike. But if we really look at what Mary uh, says here, it seems that there is a certain amount of humility. And I believe that it is because deep down inside, she knows that she is unworthy, especially in light of God's holiness. In verse 49, she says, The Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is is His name. You know, Jade was up here playing Mary. And I could imagine Mary thinking back to when the angel appeared to her. And she got this glimpse of God's holiness. And in light of this, surely she knew that she was a sinner. 
And she realized her own, her own unworthiness, that compared to God, she was a monster. Now, I know that's a, that's a really radical type statement. But I use that word because I want, it, I want it to be a surprise to us. That when we compare all of our lives to God's holiness, we stand before Him as monsters. The five surprises this morning. Surprise number one, you are a monster. I guess the reason I probably choose that word is because I read an article this week. Some of you may have read this as well. Sel- Selma Hayek, an, a- an actress in Hollywood, wrote an article. I think it was originally published in the New York Times, but it, but it was entitled, Harvey Weinstein is my monster too. Did you see this article? I, uh, you, if you've been paying attention to the news, you know who Harvey Weinstein is now. He's this movie producer who's just a despicable person, has taken advantage of so many women. And I read this article and it just kind of made me sick to my stomach. And I, read, and, I, and I think about this and I think, are you as bad as Harvey Weinstein? Are you a monster like he is? Well, I, sh- I would say, heavens no, surely you're not as bad as Harvey Weinstein. But spiritually speaking, the, an- the, the standard against which we are measured is not any person. It is against God and His holiness and His glory. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, when we, when we compare ourselves in that light, all of us stand before God as filthy. Isaiah 6, 64, 6, All of us have become like one who is unclean, for our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even the good things you do, when compared to God's perfection, are like filthy rags. And so this is dramatic language, but until we really understand what it is that what sin is, and that all of us stand so guilty before God, this idea of Christmas kind of can just go by the just kind of go past us. Because it doesn't have quite the same meaning. But if we realize that really we are monsters before God, then we can begin to actually appreciate what Jesus has done. The Christmas carol, O little town of Bethlehem, says. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. You see, for us to really be able to cry out and to sing this as a prayer, cast out our sin and enter in, we need to know that we have sinned against God and been separated from Him. Do you fully understand that? Sometimes I don't think I fully understand it. I laid in wake... uh, in, in bed the, this week, and I have a bad habit of reading stuff on my phone before I go to bed. So here's the night I read the article by Salma, Salma Hayek, and I read this, and I, this, these, this, all these images are going through my mind, and then all of a sudden it dawns on me, apart from God's grace, I'm no better, that I'm a monster too. Now, this is a good thing that this is not the end of this sermon, because if I said, okay, let's dismiss, that's kind of a sad uh, Christmas message. But surprise number two, in light of that, actually ought to be a major surprise. Surprise number two is that God cares for you. 
And if we really do stand before God uh, as such guilty sinners, then the fact that God would actually care for, it, care for us is quite amazing. Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. Mary is amazed that God's mind would turn to her. That he would look upon her and choose her to have this special role. And she says, from now on, generations will call me blessed. And while Mary did have a special role in God's plan, I actually believe all of us in some way have a special role in God's plan as well. In fact, if God was mindful of Mary, I want to put before us that God is mindful of all of us. And that he cares for all of us. Jesus said, are not two, five sparrows sold for two cents? For two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. Now that's got to be the understatement of all time. You are worth more than many sparrows. But what Jesus is saying here is, that he cares about you so much. What Christmas says is that God cares about you so much that he was willing to send his own son to this earth to die on the cross for us. And so does God care two cents about you? Oh man, God loves you more than you could ever imagine. Let's just sit with that thought for a second. The God of the universe... The mighty one who sits on the throne in heaven and to whom the angels bow down before him in all of his glory. The one who uh, simply by speaking brought the whole world into existence. The one who presently holds everything in this galaxy and all galaxies together by the word of his power. The almighty God who was and is and is to come, this awesome God is mindful of you. That this awesome God cares for you and loves you with all of his heart, with the vastness of the universe and seven billion people on the face of this planet. God looks upon this earth and he has his mind fixed on you. Now if that is not an amazing and surprising thought, I don't know what is. But God has not only created you, but he has watched over you every second of every day that you have ever lived. He knows your every action. He knows your every hurt and sorrow, your every joy, your every thought, both righteous and sinful. And he looks upon you and he says, I love you. God cares for you so much that even as Jesus says, he knows the number of hairs on your head. Mary called herself blessed, but I want to just put another amazing and even surprising thought before us that you are blessed by the almighty creator of the world just as much as Mary was. When you think about it, you have the exact same heavenly father as she did. You have the exact same savior of your soul that she did. And you have the same spirit that lives in you. Every day, God blesses you with life and love. Every day, he longs to communicate with you through prayer and to walk with you throughout the day. 
Every day, he blesses you with brothers and sisters in Christ. He blesses you with the church family that is right around us right now. He blesses you with his word, the Bible, to guide you into the way of truth so that you can live the abundant life that he has for you in Christ. And he blesses you with all of these things. Why? Because he cares about you so much. We can call all of, these, all of this God's mercy, and that is surprise number three, that God is merciful. Mercy, by very definition, is a term of surprise. Mercy literally means that we don't get what we deserve, and usually we expect to get what we deserve. In fact, our whole lives are built on this premise that we're going to get what we deserve. I deserve fair pay. I deserve to be respected. I deserve to be uh, recognized when I do the right thing. I even know that I deserve punishment or discipline when I do the wrong thing. And if we're not treated rightly or fairly, then we get upset. A couple years ago, I got a traffic ticket that I'll, I, I will admit, if I did something wrong, if I broke the speed limit or whatever, but here I got a ticket that I honestly felt like was unjust. And so I felt so strongly, I decided I'm going to go to court and fight this thing. And so I stood before the judge, and I've been told that if your arresting officer doesn't come, you get off uh, free, right? And your, your ticket is dropped. Well, sure enough, he's standing there. And so I take a very humble position. I put my hands behind my back and I begin to explain to the judge, I've been ticketed wrongly. I've done nothing wrong. And, uh, and, the, and I plead my case, and the judge doesn't even ask the police officer anything. He just said, well, maybe you missed something in your blind spot. I'm thinking, no, I didn't. I remember, I looked at the mirror, I even glanced back, and, and so I walked out of that courtroom, I was so ticked off, because I felt like I had been done wrong. But you know what? The good news of mercy is we don't get what we deserve. Because really we stand before God as a judge and we are guilty. That's the reality. And yet he looks upon us and he says, I know you are guilty, but someone else is going to pay the penalty. And so you get off scot-free. That's really the whole joy of Christmas. That Jesus sent his son to be the person of mercy to die on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven. Mary says in verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him. In verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful. At the core of God's character is this idea of mercy. And we talk about this all the time in church. In fact, sometimes I've wonder, I wonder if I've grown too familiar with these concepts because I'm not as astonished by them as I should be. But if we are to be blown away by God's uh, mercy, if we are to be blown away by what he has done at Christmas, we have to understand his mercy. And we lit a, a candle for joy this morning. And if we really are to be filled with this type of joy, if we grasp what God has done for us, then our whole hearts will be aflame out of gratitude towards God. So, so far this morning, we've been talking about personal salvation, right? But then Mary's words go on to speak about the whole world being set right. In fact, that's probably the majority of this psalm. 
But let's just look at verses 51 and 53 again. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. In, in essence, what Mary is saying here is that Jesus has come into the world to set the world aright. That in God's eyes, it is not the proud who are to rule the world or the rich who get away with exploitation. It is not right that people go to bed hungry at night or that the world is full of sickness, disease, grieving hearts, and death. And so this is exactly what Jesus has come to rectify. Surprise number four is that God is making the world right. I think that is a surprise because you look at the world around us and you think, it doesn't look right to me. How is it that what Mary is saying here is actually the truth? Because there are still too many Harvey Weinsteins in the world and there are still homes that are being burned down by wildfires and there are pink slips and memorial services and there is grief and sadness. And what we have to remember is that what Jesus has started and initiated here in his coming to earth will not come to a complete fulfillment until he comes back again. You see, Jesus did begin this work. When he came to this earth, he defended those who were poor. And he stood up to religious and political leaders who were abusing and mistreating people and he fed the hungry and he raised the dead and he healed the sick and we ought to be involved in the same type of things historically christians have always been about this type of work that's why we got so many hospitals and schools and homeless shelters and advocacy groups with christian names we are called to minister in the name of jesus Whenever I think about that, I, that phrase, to minister in the name of Jesus, I always, have a conversa- I always remember a conversation that I had with uh, Dr. Ben. Dr. Ben, I was asking Dr. Ben one time, what was it like to live in the internment camps during World War II? And uh, he was telling me about this, and, and I know that there were some Christians who came alongside and helped those who were interned at that time, and, uh, and I asked Dr. Ben, did you ever see any uh, people there that you knew didn't have to be there? And he said, yeah, I remember this. And he, said, and he said, in fact, I worked up the courage one time to ask someone who was helping in the kitchen, why were you doing this? And, he, and Dr. Ben said, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I'll never forget his answer. Dr. Ben said, he said I, th- that this person said, I'm here to serve you in the name of Jesus. And I thought, what a beautiful testimony. In fact, that was what we are all called to do, to serve people in the name of Jesus. As we were writing a job description for a community pastor, we were trying to help us think through what are the strengths and the weaknesses of our church. And one of the things that we felt like we needed to grow in was the idea of just really being involved in the community. And Pastor Steve's going to come in a few weeks as our community pastor and this is one of the areas that he really has a real strong gifting in and a lot of experience to help us and lead us to guide us to be uh, God's salt and light in this neighborhood 
Because if we just open our eyes, there are needs all around us. And so my prayer as we enter in to the new year is that God would empower us to be more involved in his work of setting the world right. Every year we light these Advent candles, right? We have peace and hope and joy, and next week we will light the candle for love. I think Christmas is a beautiful thing because these are not just some sort of theoretical themes that we'd like to just happen in a spiritual way in our hearts. They're actually meant to be very tangible in people's lives. And this is what Mary is talking about here, that Jesus has come to set the world aright. This is part of God's salvation in the coming of Jesus. And now it leads us to our last surprise, surprise number three, and that is that God's salvation is a gift. Verses 44 and 45 talk about the promises to Abraham and his descendants. Really, the promises of Abraham, to Abraham and his descendants are the idea of God being with his people. Genesis 17, 7, God speaking to Abraham says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And never is that more uh, apparent than in the coming of Jesus, God in human flesh, that God would be our God. Now, obviously, everyone here knows that the reason for the season is Jesus, right? But we've got, a, we've got a real rival that's trying to steal the show, and that's Santa Claus. And Santa Claus sings. Now, I'm not going to sing for you because if this message, if this, today's theme is joy, it will just, all the joy will escape the room very quickly. But Santa Claus sings, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to, t- to town. He's making a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus sounds like a real great guy, right? Bringing all of these gifts. But if you look at the song, he's act- his gifts are actually very conditional. I think this was written for moms and dads who are like, you better watch out. You're not going to get any presents. But uh, good kids get nice presents and naughty kids get lumps of coal. But God's salvation is also described in the Bible as a gift. But his gifts are actually really gifts. Because technically, gifts are not earned. Wages are earned. Gifts are given freely and generously. Ephesians 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we've earned because of our sin is death and punishment, but what God gives us because of his mercy is eternal life. And eternal life is more than where you go after you die. Eternal life is a life, the, living the life that God has created you to live, a life that is full of his presence, that is full of his love and his joy. Eternal life is not a life that you can earn, but it is a life that you receive when Jesus comes into your heart. Now think about this idea of a gift for a second. What if I offer you a gift, say, hey, I got you something for Christmas, and you just kind of look at me with a blank stare. I say, no, no, go ahead and take it. And you say, ah, thanks. 
I don't think I want that. As a gift giver, I'm kind of, I'm hurt. Because I've, I've gone to the trouble of buying you a gift and wrapping it, and then you just say, nah, I don't think I, I, don't think I want that. It's kind of a ridiculous little story. But the idea, but the thought is that if Jesus is coming to offer us a gift, there are people that every day say, nah, I don't think I want that. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes it just dumbfounds me that, it, that if we really understood what is being offered to us, the joy that can enter our hearts and the peace that can invade our whole lives because of Jesus, not that everything will go hunky-dory, but because we are actually now living into the life that God has called us to live, it's, it's kind of hard for me to understand why would we ever just look at God and stare back in His face and say, nah, I don't think I want that. Maybe it's because we think that Jesus is a killjoy. That if we have Jesus in our lives, we're not going to be able to do the things that we want to do. And that is true that Jesus is not going to let us always do the things we want to do, but it is not because he is a killjoy. It's actually because the things that he is guiding us into are for our joy. He longs for us to experience the abundant life that we have been called to live. But all of these other things that go against God are not here to rob us of something good. But, but, uh, but all the things that, uh, that we do that are against God's will actually do rob us of what is good. It's kind of like you got a gas-powered car and you go, pull into the gas station and you make a mistake and you put diesel in it, right? Your tank says you're full, but you're going to be very frustrated a few blocks down the road because you're not going to go very long, very far. And all of these things, they look so promising. But the reality is that it is only Jesus that can fill the tank of our hearts. It is only Jesus that can really fill us with the joy that he offers. Let me quote from that uh, Christmas song once more, O little town of Bethlehem. But in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. The message of Christmas and the good news of the gospel is that when we, with meekness and humility, admit that we are sinners and need a Savior, we open ourselves up to placing our faith in God and receiving His salvation. It is then that the dear Christ enters in. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. Before we sing our last song, we'll just have some quiet in our sanctuary. And maybe the truth of your own sinfulness has struck you this morning. That before the God of the universe and all of his glory, that you really are a monster. And yet God in his mercy is touching your heart and telling you that he cares for you. And he longs to come into your life if you would simply receive him as a free gift. And so let's take a moment and quiet ourselves, and I'm just going to invite you to pray whatever is on your heart. Maybe we can bow our head and close our eyes. And maybe you have heard this message or, message sim or messages similar who knows how many times. And maybe you are struck anew or at least afresh that God truly does love you. And that he has mercy towards you. 
And I want to invite you just to express your gratitude towards God. But maybe you are here and you have never really come to that place. And this morning you feel the urge upon your heart that you really would like to ask the dear Christ child into your life. That you'd like to give your life to God. It's the most important decision you will ever make. And it will be full of surprises. God will call you to do things and to move in areas and he'll change, your, he'll change you from the inside out. You'll never be the same person. But in the midst of all of these surprises, you may think you're losing your life, but in fact, you're finding it. And I want to just invite you in whatever words you want to use, just to talk to God for a moment and ask him to come into your life. Let's just pray in the silence, in our, in the silence of our own hearts. Father God, I thank you for the joy of Christmas. As we look at the video from the children and the skit from the youth, as we hear the choir sing and the praise team, God, we have so much to be thankful for. And I thank you for Christmas. And as we look forward to the events of this week and next week, we pray that you would really fill our hearts with joy because we remember that we do not stand righteous before you in our own strength. It is only because of the mercy of Jesus. And so we give you thanks and praise for your love and for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.